Well, I want to look with you uh, at something with you this morning that's absolutely vital when you're considering the last days and preparing for it to be a part of what's going to take place. Um, because God is calling us to come together as a body of believers to be a glorious church, right? The, the bride that's without spot or wrinkle in the last days. And, um, you know, he's calling us to, to flow with his revival and his plan and his purposes in the nations, um, to be used by him to show his glory like the earth has never seen. I mean, it's just kind of just marvelous when you think about what God is going to do through his people and in his people. Um, but to do that, we're going to have to be united as never before. And that's kind of hard to imagine, isn't it? I mean, because we just see the problems. We just see the, how difficult it can be to, for you know, one group to work with another group, to flow with this person, that group, or that, you know, because everyone has their, their way that they are comfortable in doing or their doctrines or their uh, organize, or how they want to organize and so forth. And, it, and, you know, everything is kind of splintered as far as God's people. But I just think about what Jesus prayed to his father in John 17. And he prayed this for his disciples, but I think he prayed this for all of his disciples. But, you know, especially in the last days, because this is where like the ultimate fulfillment takes place. And, and here Jesus is praying to his father and he says, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. Think about that for a second. It's not that we will come together and work together and be all, you know, be happy and flow together. It's that we all would be united as one as the Father and the Son are united as one. That's a different level of unity. It's not just everyone get together and sing songs and then go your way for to the week and then come back, but it's be so united. We're, we're so united and flowing together, having the same thought, having the same heart, having the same relationship as the Father, the Heavenly Father, and the Son of God. That's just awe-inspiring. Our calling is to love one another and flow together in that same love of the Father. It seems impossible, but Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. And if he prayed for that to happen, then it must be possible. He wouldn't pray for something to happen that's not going to take place. You know, I've been burdened with that thought of unity in the sense that that's what we're called to do. We are called to come to that place of unity as a, as a church as, as a whole, but really in, as individuals as well. I mean, that's our calling in the last day. You know, the bride of Christ is going to be a glorious group of believers and, you know, they become united, kind of like the Song of Solomon says, they become an army with banners proclaiming the Lord and his might and his power in the last days. I mean, it's hard to even imagine that now. You go out proclaiming the God and they say, you know, 
you're, you're nuts, you know, but it's not going to be that soon. We're going to be an army with banners and it's going to be terrible and glorious to behold because of the glory of God upon his united people. We want, to be, we want to be a part of that. To become unified. Bringing others together into the fold of that unity and glory. You know, the Lord spoke something to, to Pastor Bailey, our founder, one day. and It really stuck with me because I thought, that's a different thought. Um, because the Lord spoke to him something about the fellowship that, that he was leading and you know that we are a part of now and and the lord said to him that the fellowship Zion fellowship was to be like an elbow i thought an elbow what is that i thought you know it'd be like a torch or a fire or a lighthouse but he said an elbow but then he the context of that is that an elbow is a joint that connects two limbs Without an elbow, you just have this stiff, rigid thing that's not really good for much. But when you have an elbow that connects it and is flexible, you can do a lot of things. You can accomplish a lot of things. And so it was that thought that of bringing people together, unifying through teaching the truth and imparting a vision of doing God's will to bring unity. You know, that's God's purpose and that's what the Lord spoke to Pastor Bailey about the fellowship. Our purpose is to is not to just to say this is the truth, and if you don't follow it, get away from us. But no, our purpose is actually to bring unity for those who love the truth, to unite, because that's God's heart is to unite His people in His truth and in His glory. The question is, what needs to happen? for this to take place. What needs to, you know, what work needs to be done? Because we realize, um, you know, if God's calling his church as a whole to glory, we're a part of his church, but yet what needs to take place in us for us to be a part of that? I want to look at two concepts from the scripture I think we can agree need to take place in our lives, in the hearts of each individual in order to make up that corporate body as a whole. Um, because if we want to become united like the Father and Son, then we need to become like them in our lives. And so the first thing I want to look at is the last example Jesus gave to his disciples before he went to the cross or before he actually went out into the garden and then was taken and so forth and started that whole crucifixion process. But, you know, after the supper, the last supper was over where he had communion with his disciples, he had one more object lesson to do. And to do that, he, he put off the garments of the rabbi, of the master, of the teacher, right, of the one who had authority and he put on the garment of a servant. And not just any servant, he put on the garment of the, the lowest servant on the, well, I could say in our vernacular, the totem pole, you know, the one who washed the stinky feet of everyone who came into the house. So he, he put on the garment of the servant 
and he started washing all the disciples' feet. And it was so shocking to Peter that he said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. You're my Lord. And Jesus said, well, if I, if I don't wash your feet, then you can't have any part of me. And he said, okay, Lord, wash all of me. It's like, no, I just need to wash your feet. He wanted to give that object lesson to them. And he, you know, and, and so he, he washed his feet. And Jesus said in John 13, 12, he said, do you know what I've done? to you. He said, you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for I am. But if I, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. You know, one of the, that was the last practical illustration Jesus wanted to leave with them of, of who he was as their Lord and how we should relate to our fellow believers. Now, it's not that, you know, it's not the, the practical thing that every Sunday we should get together and wash one another's feet, you know, but it's that spiritual aspect of the lesson that he's teaching. You know, sometimes before we can really minister to others, there has to be a taking off. Because it's really comfortable and easy for us to minister to others from our place of authority and, you know, what we've achieved and all sorts of things. And, uh, you know, we like to minister to people from above, but Jesus did it from below. He made them as the greater one that he was ministering to. You know, he took that place, that low place, through the attitude of a servant. How can I serve the other one? the the other one that God is calling me to. And sometimes that involves laying aside our own needs and what we what we think is important, our priorities. It's a very practical thing too. It often starts at the home of those who are close to us. You know, if you if you find that if you can wash the feet of the ones who are close to you that you are with every day and sometimes can, you know, you have to learn how to work with and so forth, uh, and you learn to take the low place, it, if you can do that, then it's pretty easy to do it with other people as well. Paul says this. He says uh, in Romans 12.10, he says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. In the ESV, I like what the ESV says, it says, uh, you know, the King James says, in honor, preferring one another. The ESV says, outdo one another in showing honor. It's almost like a, like a competition. You know, it, here's, here's where it's okay to be competitive in that sense. Um, you know, putting others first. And, you know, some people, you know, you, you might see some uh, people who are married who have a competition. And it, the competition is who can say the last word. Right? <laughs> Who can put in that last word and uh, in that? That that's not always a. It's not necessarily going to build each other up, but um, there is a good and worthy competition that we can have in our relationships on Earth, and it's outdo one another in showing honor, in showing goodness, in washing, in building up, in strengthening. You know, in our, in our words and placing needs or concerns or thoughts of others before our own and ministering to them in that. And it's important because 
it, it's so easy to get stuck in that rut of being self-focused, just kind of consume with our own needs and what we're facing and, and our own desires. We can, can become blind to the needs of others. Even those who are right next to us and right around us, but with Jesus, there was a putting off the garments of the master, of the authority, and he put on the garment of serving and caring for others. And, you know, sometimes we have to put off that garment of the high place and put off the garment of our own cares and worries and concerns. And we put on the garment of a servant, meaning, and a servant, his number one job is to care about and anticipate the needs of the master or of those around him. And Jesus is not just saying, put that garment on for me. He's like, put it on for each other. If we're going to have a hope of truly fulfilling the law of God and coming into unity, loving others as we love ourselves, then there has to be that putting off. And that's especially true of those around us, those in our, in our family of putting their needs and interests above ours. That's the competition God wants us to have. That's not a bad competition. It's one we want to win every, well, try to win once in a while. And the prize for that competition is glory, is unity, is coming together and flowing together as one, as the Father and Son are one. And so there's a unity that comes as we serve others there's also a unity that comes through the anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, Psalm 133 and verse 1, the psalmist says, Behold, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren, right? and for believers, you could, you could substitute that for a New Testament word, for believers to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard. I'll say, okay, so this is the ointment that came upon the high priest that this is talking about. Uh, it went down the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. There the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. It's a beautiful picture. The anointing of, uh, the, the holy anointing that came upon the high priest and then he's comparing it to the dew that came upon Hermon that brought life upon the mountains of Zion that brings blessing and life forevermore, that that's the anointing that God wants to come upon his people as we unite together. And so that unity is compared to that precious ointment. And, and this was a, a prized and holy oil that was so holy that it was, you could say, illegal in a sense for, for anyone to try and replicate it. In fact, if they tried and replicate it, they'd be cast out of Israel. It was so holy and precious. And, and so in one sense, you can have a false unity that's made through our own effort, but God says that will just divide us and separate us from the congregation. The only way we can truly become united is when we're anointed by the Spirit of God as he works in us. And um, you might say, well, what does that mean to be anointed? You know, what is that, what's that practically mean and how does that take place? Well, there's, there's something we can understand when we look back in Exodus uh, 30 
and you see what the ingredients of the anointing were. And, and I'll just read that. It says, Exodus 30, 23, it says, Okay, take unto you the principal spices of pure myrrh, 500 shekels, sweet cinnamon, half as much, so 250 shekels, uh, sweet calamus, 250 shekels, cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and uh, of olive oil, a hen, and you will make it, make of it a holy, an oil of holy ointment. I'll get, I'll try and get those words right. And so you have five ingredients of this holy anointing oil that speaks of the unity and the anointing of unity God wants to put upon us as the people of God, as his kings and his priests in the New Testament. Myrrh speaks of meekness. Cinnamon speaks of goodness. Calamus speaks of gentleness. Cassia speaks of humility. Olive oil speaks of peace. All of these beautiful qualities are represented and when they're get when they're all put together as ingredients into an anointing oil it brings unity and and so basically this oil kind of represents these beautiful qualities that the holy spirit wants to put into us uh, many of them are listed in galatians 5 as the fruit of the spirit and so it's it's really the fruit of the spirit that as it's developed as we allow god to develop in us and we cry out, Lord, put your, your spirit within us. Develop your fruit in my life. The true anointing of unity can come upon us when we take on the characteristics of Christ. Because Jesus is full of meekness. He's good. He's gentle. He's humble. And he's the Prince of Peace. And as we know him in that way and become like him in that way, that's, that's actually the only way we can truly unite together. As, you know, it's, it's only the unity of the Father and Son that's going to bring us together. And so really the only way we can come together is, is becoming like Christ. When we become like him, then we enter into that unity that is between the Father and Son you know, because we become like the Son. And so it's good to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, anoint me. Cleanse me from disunity, which means cleanse me from the opposite of these things. You know, each one has its opposite, you know, meekness and goodness, gentleness, and so forth. You can all think of, you know, antonyms to what those things would be. You know, Lord, cleanse me. Anything in my heart that would keep me from being united to you, Wash away so that I can be united to you. Put your qualities within me to bring me into unity. One thing to note that, uh, that is really interesting when you look at, at the qualities in Exodus 30, there are two that are double. Right? You notice that? Let, some were 500 shekels and some, some were 250. Myrrh and cassia were both 500 shekels double the amount of the others. And this is speaking of meekness and humility. You know, and how can we focus on obtaining the anointing of unity? It's by putting on the mind of Christ, which is meek and lowly of heart. He's meek and he's humble. You know, if we approach each situation from that perspective, we will eventually come to unity. Well, through his anointing. 
He'll bring us into unity. This is especially true in, in relationships, right? Because we're human and there's going to be a measure of strife and miscommunication and disagreements because, you know, because we have a, a fallen nature, but we can overcome that through Christ. Well, you know, I was thinking of, of one of the ways we overcome with some of the, the, the strife and difficulty we can have. Um, you know, something very practical is we can start by using two of the most uh, powerful words in the English language. Anyone think about what, what are two of the most powerful words in the English language? I'm sorry. Actually, that's a contraction, so you could say maybe three words, I am sorry. Um, but it's really, it's a powerful, practical step of coming into unity or maybe coming back into unity because we've stepped out of it through strife and, and so forth in our relationships because true unity requires meekness and humility. That's what Paul was talking about when he says we are to put on these qualities in our life. Well, he talked about putting off, right? So there's the putting off of the strife, and we have to actively decide to do that and cry out to God for his grace to do that. But then we, we can't just stay naked, right? Putting off, we have to put on his beautiful qualities, Colossians 3.12, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humility of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man has quarreled against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That's, that's kind of like the sobering part. If we want Christ to forgive us from our Many times that we fail and we fall short of the glory of God, then we must forgive others as well by the grace and spirit of God. You know, sometimes we can, we can say, okay, I forgive, but it's still there. And we need to cry out to the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me to forgive. Wash it away. Because, you know, often we truly haven't forgiven until it, it, the pain of it is washed away. And that can only happen by the power of the Spirit of God as we continually come. And, but he sets us free from that. And it causes us to flow together in unity. We're all human. We're all going to have our issues. Uh, we're all going to have things that could possibly get to one another. Maybe, you know, someone's good at pressing our button. It causes us to react in frustration. But what can counteract that is if we put on meekness. Accepting a situation as it's allowed by the Lord. Put on humility or put on long-suffering, right? We, sometimes we have to put that mentality, men, mentality on, look, this is just going to happen for a while, and I just need to trust God that he's going to get me through it. Paul had to do that. He, had, he was the, the apostle of long-suffering. He had kind of I don't know if I perfected is the right way to say it, but he, he knew what it meant to suffer for a long time. And he was willing to do that because he had caused suffering. But when we put those things on, it's in the hope that God can bring about a change in other people, but really in us, so that we can overcome. We can put on his qualities and, 
and we can start to overlook others' faults and shortcomings, and we can flow together. You know, the, the concept is none of us are going to be perfect, right? If we're coming together in glory and unity, he's not bringing us together in perfection. We're still going to have our, our humanity and our imperfections there, but they're all covered by what we've put on from Christ. They're under the control of Christ, under the power of Christ. They've been put on the cross. They're not fully dead. They won't be fully dead until we pass over into the other life, but they're under Christ, under His covering. And really, it's love that covers all. We're covered by His love. We're flowing in His love. And so love must cover. And in fact, in relating to others, love, one of the primary purposes of love is to cover. It doesn't reveal. It doesn't expose. Uh, you know, as it says in 1 Peter, love covers a multitude of sins. You know, we want love to be a covering over us, and then we need to cover over and overlook other people's sins and faults and so forth. And so in these last days, we need unity. We need to come together. If we can't come together as Christ and the, Son, and the Father, as the Son and the Father come together, we're in trouble. But we can't do it ourselves. We can't work it up. If we try and work, do it ourselves, it actually just separates us. That's, that's the sad thing. We try and do it in our own strength, it just separates us because you can't create that holy anointing oil on your own. In fact, it's, it's defiling. We can only do it through the power of Christ, through crying out to Him, Lord, cleanse me. Help me to put these things off, these things in my life that need to be removed. Help me to put them off. And Lord, put on. Help me to put on your qualities, your meekness, your humility, your gentleness. Because God is going to raise up a united church. And we want to be a part of that. The power and the anointing of God are going to flow through us. We'll be in one accord. You know, when the disciples were united on the day of Pentecost, the glory of God fell. But you know what? We're waiting for the day of tabernacles. But we still have to be united. Uh, sometimes I feel like the church, that's where we are. We're in that upper room and we're just struggling and dealing with, you know, we're getting things straight. You know, the disciples just a few days before had been, had been striving against each other. Who's going to be the greatest? And now they're working it all out in the upper room and coming into unity. And when they came to unity, the glory of God fell. And I feel like we're, we're still there. We're working it out as a church as the people of God so that we can come together. But when we put on the nature of Christ, we're going to come to the greatest unity that the world has ever seen and the greatest glory that the world will ever see. Or to that point, Jesus is going to come again and that, that'll be a, the greatest glory. The calling is for us to be one together as Jesus and the Father are one. Lord, help us to flow in that. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your plan and your purpose. Thank you for the unity that you displayed with your Father. Lord, we, we desire to flow in that. Lord, we just even confess our, our weakness and where we've fallen short. Lord, we cry out to you. Help us to put off those things that cause us to fall short. Lord, those things that, that 
Keep us from unity. Lord, cleanse us afresh. And Lord, we look to you. Help us to put on your humility, your meekness, your gentleness, your goodness. Oh God, we want to flow in that wonderful, beautiful anointing of unity and that that unity would flow down, Lord, upon us in every part we ask. And we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.